a new variant emerges. The Gisley Maxwell trial begins and Twitter has a new CEO. I'm William Hall and this is The William Hall Show. All right, welcome back to the show. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving that uh, hopefully there weren't too many politics discussed or anything crazy like that, unless it's what you wanted there to be. Of course, I posted a few things about that uh, leading up to Thanksgiving as well in regards to just some things that you can mention to your liberal friends if that's something you wanted to do during Thanksgiving as far as gas prices, you name it. But hopefully either way, you had a mostly peaceful Thanksgiving with your family. I know I enjoy mine as well. And here's actually a little bit of a video, uh, kind of a funny video that came out with Biden, a few other Democrats, basically enjoying their Thanksgiving meal. Check it out here. This turkey tastes half as good as it looks. I think we're all in for a very big treat. <laughs> Save the neck for me, Clark. <laughs> okay, Eddie. All right, so uh, so if you're listening to this on the audio, you basically just have this video of the uh, Democrats sitting around this table, uh, their faces kind of pasted on these other characters, and then Trump pops out of the turkey. So pretty pretty hilarious, honestly. He starts dancing and everything, so gotta love it. But uh, either way. Uh, let's go ahead and jump right into things. So, of course, the the new thing that the Democrats are trying to scare everybody with, of course, is with the new variant. And many of you have heard of this variant already. It's called the uh, the Om- Omicron variant. It's honestly it made me think of something like Transformers or something along those lines. But the real story behind this is actually the way that they actually came up with this name. Now, they've been using the, I believe it's the Greek alphabet or something like that. They were going with Lambda and a few of these other uh, letters to basically signify these different variants. Well, the thing is that there's actually one that they skipped over, and it's pretty interesting. And it's actually spelled X-I, pronounced Z in the Greek language, but in Chinese, X-I is Qi. And that also happens to be a figurehead person in China, and they don't want that person to be associated with a variant. So they literally skipped over Qi and skipped to Omicron because they don't want China to be associated with anything COVID-related. And and here, again, we have the situation that I must bring up. There's no way that people can sit here and pretend as if this is not a manufactured outrage, a manufactured thing where they're trying so hard to, to keep... China off and out of the lips of people that would be offended by it, specifically Chinese people, right? Or the people that are there in a communist government because they don't want to be associated with this virus, even though we know based on the Wuhan lab leak and all the information we have regarding that, that that's where the virus literally originated. But they are trying their hardest to separate China from it. And we see this every day. This is why we can't trust the WHO or any of these other organizations because they're literally politicizing the names 
or trying to depoliticize really the names of these things to hide China away. They do not want China to be associated with it. I remember when Trump was at the press conferences and he was saying the Kung flu. It, it, every single chance he got, he tried to remind people this came from China. This came from China. China's not our friend. This came from China every time. But yet you see the Democrats and the WHO and everybody else trying to change it. So you, you're more than welcome to call it the Omicron variant or whatever, but really it's the Chi variant that they have now changed. That's really what this uh, this main story is about. So kind of moving into the reaction behind all of this, because that's really where things start to get a little bit weird. So Biden now has implemented travel restrictions on eight nations amid this new variant outbreak. Now, this variant originated or was at least reported to have existed in South Africa. That's where this was actually talked about and, and where they found out that this was actually uh, a thing. So the Biden administration announced on Friday that it was implementing travel restrictions on eight nations in Southern Africa amid concerns of a new coronavirus outbreak. This is the new variant that they're talking about. So the eight nations are South Africa, Botswana, Zimbabwe, uh, several others. We're not going to get all into the rest of them, but Mozambique, pretty much all these other foreign, primarily black uh, countries are literally not able to travel to the United States right now because of the way that Biden has set this up. Now, of course, if you remember last year, one of the first key, key important things that Trump did right when the coronavirus had just been heard about, right when we found out where it originated from, Trump shut off travel from China. That was the biggest thing, one of the most important things that he did because it bought the United States a ton of time. It's one of the things he kept bringing up over and over and over again. And it's one of those things that Democrats, because they are in the pocket of China and everybody else, has attacked Trump over. They were the ones that hated Trump for this. I mean, this was brought up in debates. Uh, Biden was the one that was uh, kind of really put out the tweet saying that it was xenophobic and, and, and overreactionary and ridiculous for Trump to do this. Well, what's he doing now? <laughs> right. Look at this guy. He's now banning travel from primarily black nations for a variant. What happened to it being xenophobic? What happened to all of that stuff taking place? You actually had a, a Ducey questioning Saki on this, uh, grilling her over this issue because this is something that we have to kind of look at. So uh, here's a quick clip of uh, of him actually questioning Saki, Jen Saki, in this situation on Biden and his reaction to banning travel from these nations. It doesn't obviously make sense at all, but uh, but that's really where you have it. So um, here's basically the quote from here where uh, Peter Ducey confronted her, basically saying that Biden's travel restriction after his previous statements on how travel restrictions are xenophobic when President Trump announced them in 2020. And then uh, Jen Psaki replied and said, well, I would say first to put it in context, Peter, what the, what the president was critical of was the way that the former president put out I believe a xenophobic tweet on how he called what he called the coronavirus and who he directed it at. The president has not been critical of travel restrictions. Once again, now she's of course trying to skirt around the issue, but he was critical of the travel restrictions because it wasn't about the, he said literally the travel restrictions were xenophobic. And he said that Trump's uh, b blaming China for it was also that way. Everything, and, and he's even said it was overreactionary because at that point, they, a lot of the Democrats were actually saying, we shouldn't worry about it. No, guys, why are you so scared of what's happening? That's, that They were actually calling Trump's actions overreactionary. Now look at where we're at right now. It seems as if it was completely warranted <laughs> if you actually look at the, the facts here. So 
the other thing that she was uh, mentioning is where she said shortly after Trump imposed the, the travel ban on China last year, Biden came out and labeled him as a xenophobe. So this is the actual tweet from Biden. He says, we are in the midst of a crisis with the coronavirus. We need to lead the way with science, not Donald Trump's record of hysteria. Remember, the hysteria, what he's saying is people being afraid, people overreacting to this xenophobia and fear-mongering he called donald trump and said that he was the one fear-mongering right now they're the ones doing it but he said he's the worst possible person to lead the country through a global health emergency and of course he's saying that when he didn't even realize that now literally right now we're doing worse than we were last year with all the vaccines and everything in tow this is the difference that you're seeing right now hindsight's 2020 but the point is is that what we're seeing is that nobody's blaming biden for the actions that are taking place right now. Nobody's blaming Biden for the the ridiculously high COVID cases that we're seeing all across the country, by the way, except Florida. Wonder why that is. You know, the, the most free state <laughs> actually dealing with the least amount of issues as far as COVID deaths and cases and everything else. So I'm, I'm telling you, this is a, the biggest difference right here that you're seeing is where you have them try to pit uh, Biden and, and, and everybody and saying, you know what, Biden is has this clean slate. He cannot be blamed for things when all they did last year was blame Trump for every single thing that basically took place. So the South African doctor, which is pretty interesting, that was actually discovering Omicron, actually discovered and told people about this new variant, said, quote, I see no reason for panicking as we don't see severely ill patients. Now, if you know anything about variants of uh, viruses, this should come as no surprise. I've actually talked about this before, but basically what you have is that every time a virus exists, there will be mutations. It's part of the way that science works, the way these viruses work and, and develop over time. But the thing is that each variant becomes more infectious, but less lethal every time. That's the way it works. Remember that it wouldn't make sense for a virus over time to basically kill every single person or most people that wound up getting the virus because the virus wants to live. It wants to spread. It wants to survive, right? So the point is, is that what it's going to do is that as new variants come along, it's going to be more infectious, but less deadly because the virus doesn't want to kill the host. It wants to thrive in the host. That's the whole point of a virus existing in the first place. So this shouldn't come as any surprise. So even the guy that discovered this variant is saying, guys, calm down. It's not that big of a deal. But what you're seeing in response is totally different. Because the Democrats are doing everything in their power to basically try and make everything about this new variant. They're saying, okay, here we go. We're going, we're going into Christmas. This is going to be the next reason that they say that you shouldn't be meeting with your family, that you should not be dealing doing anything Christmas-related in a crowd or anything like that. Meanwhile, all of these vaccines, by the way, none of these have been tested, tried, or proved at all to protect against this specific variant. We don't know. And I don't know if it's just you, but it just seems to me, uh, or if it's just me, but um, it seems that every time we get a new booster shot, a new uh, new pill for COVID or whatever, that there's also a new variant that comes right in tow that it doesn't work for. This is why we're saying that this is a never-ending story, a uh, never-ending cycle. We, we've been calling this for uh, more than a year now, and here we are seeing variant after variant after booster, after booster, after vaccine, after vaccine, and wondering what it is that we're going to do. Remember that there are still places all across the United States right now that are mandating vaccines for a virus that people are still dying from. By the way, the majority of people that are dying right now of COVID have been fully vaccinated. 
So what, at, at what point do you expect this to end? The point is, is that it's not protecting people. All of these people that put their faith in everything in this vaccine have found out that it's going to let them down. It, we knew it was going to let them down. I knew it was going to let them down, but now they're seeing it firsthand because it was ridiculous to put their faith into these things anyways. So uh, the guy that, uh, that I was just talking about, the African doctor said, looking at the mildness of the symptoms that we are seeing, currently there's no reason for panicking. So he's specifically talking about the fact that the symptoms aren't even that big of a deal. As I've mentioned, they become less deadly, but more infectious. That's the way that these uh, these things work. He's, he continues saying that these, this variant seemed to be starting with the 40 and under group, with the most predominant clinic complaint being severe fatigue for one or two days, as well as a headache or body aches. So kind of along with everything else that COVID already has anyways. But once again, they're not going to report on this. And it really doesn't even matter what this guy says to them. He could say, guys, don't bother. This isn't even that big of a deal at all. It doesn't matter. The Democrats needed something to scare people before Christmas. They needed something to scare people into getting the vaccine. Again, it's all part of the plan. It's all part of, of how Democrats try to, to make things work that way. And it always has been this way. And that's really where things uh, kind of get off with me with these people. Because they, they it's always this never-ending process. But by the way, there's actually um, two Omicron-affected individuals arrived apparently in Australia. Both victims are fully vaccinated. So once again, the, the vaccines aren't protecting you from this stuff. That's not what's happening. So we already have reports of this being the case that people are already arriving in other places with it that have been fully vaccinated. So it doesn't matter. And it even says to hear the two positive cases who were asymptomatic, by the way, are in isolation in a special health accommodation. So once again, we're seeing this situation where it's going to spread regardless of what we do. We can choose to live freely in the meantime, or we can choose to basically lose our livelihoods, lock down, never do anything again. I'm opting for the for the first thing, for us to live our lives in freedom, because that's the only way that we can go about doing things. Now, many of you may have also been hearing about the Ghislaine Maxwell case. And for those that don't remember exactly, this was basically Jeffrey Epstein's right-hand woman, if you will. She was the one that was responsible for basically recruiting girls into the sex trafficking ring that uh, Jeffrey Epstein was a part of. Now, we know that she has a ton of information on what Jeffrey Epstein was doing, who was there, all of that stuff. But she's, of course, not going to divulge any of that stuff. And now she's actually on trial. So she's actually been in jail for, I believe, 17 months, for so more than a year, with no bail, by the way. She offered to put up like 20-something million dollars worth of bail. They wouldn't allow her to do that, which is not which is obviously a good idea in that situation, but she is now on trial. This started actually, uh, it started yesterday. So the, the, the new thing that she's basically dealing with right now is that if she's convicted on all accounts, so the maximum sentence would be 70 years in prison, which is basically a life sentence because for her, she's 59 years old. So Maxwell has pleaded not guilty to, to a six count indictment against her being held in a New York jail um, and so the, let me see exactly what the charges were in this situation. Uh, she's facing six counts of allegedly recruiting, grooming, and abusing four minor girls with Epstein in the United States and in Britain between 1994 and 2004. So this is over the course of 10 years. She's also accused of engaging in group sexual encounters with Epstein and an underage girl identified in court documents as minor victim one from 1994 to 1997. So there's some serious charges here. Okay. 
we know for a fact that this lady was involved in it. She probably knows all of the people that were on the flights, by the way, all of that stuff. She was directly involved in at the time that Epstein was do doing all this stuff before he killed himself, if that's what you want to actually call that. Now, the thing, too, is that uh, prosecutors actually are telling the jury that Gisley Maxwell was a dangerous predator who served up minus to Epstein for sexual abuse. So what we're, we're already seeing the evidence start coming out. Now, by the way, there's no live feed of any of this. There's, I, I believe there's no media in, involved in, or allowed in the room as well. This creates problems because it's going to be very tough to cover this because we have almost nothing to go on, really. There's almost nothing there. Now, if you think this is a mis uh, an accident, uh, think again. I mean, this is obviously on purpose, but do keep in mind, though, that it actually is normal procedure to actually not have federal cases live stream. So for the people that were posting on Twitter basically saying that it's it's on purpose and they're not live streaming it, th that, that's actually not true. They're not even allowed to live stream this anyways, but the no media thing, that absolutely they are in control of. So them allowing no media coverage, no, nobody in the room, that's really where the problems lie with all of this. So uh, like I said, I've already talked about the, the kind of charges that she's been charged with and everything else like that, but this is what was happening. This is what was taking place. And there's actually a new report that the FAA accidentally released information on 704 previously unknown flights taken by Epstein's planes. This is a big deal because they're supposed to keep a log of all of this. And we already know who was on or knew who was basically on some of the flights. We have the logbook. A lot of people in Hollywood, Clintons, you name it, they were there. Um, so in March 2020, the FAA denied their uh, request saying that the responsive records originate from an investigative file and were therefore exempt from disclosure. Um... And then now what we're seeing is that the records contain data on 2,300 flights among four private jets registered to Epstein between 1998 and 2020. So more than 20 years of flight data between uh, of all of his jets so we could know exactly where he was at and who was on them. Most of them had appeared in Insider's uh, search base, searchable database as all known flights connected to Epstein. The new FAA records also reveal 704 previously unknown flights taken by Epstein. So this is really going to fill in the rest of the stuff that's there. And, and that's the big deals. Now, the records do not reveal the names of the passengers who were on the flights, but the report noted that they could provide clues about what Epstein and his associates were up to at points in time while the flights were taken. Epstein's private jets most often flew between areas where he owned homes, including New York, Florida, New Mexico, France, and the Virgin Islands. So this is still a big deal because it allows for more data to be known about what's happening with Epstein. And, and this is something that we'll have to keep track of because I think this is a big deal. I think this, uh, her, she was really the only person, Gisling was the only person that we could really even point to considering that Epstein's kind of off the docket. I mean, there's nowhere for us to know even really what happened to him at all. Uh, he suicided himself, right? I mean, obviously he was killed in prison. Something happened. So will Gisling Maxwell survive this trial? Who knows? Uh, what will happen to her? All of that is going to be very, very interesting to watch. Now, apparently the actual judge that's involved in this is some far left-wing liberal Democrat. So it's up in the air at this point. It really is. We'll see what happens, but I'll definitely keep you guys updated on that as new information comes available as well. So Twitter CEO, you remember Jack Dorsey, uh, the person that's been really Twitter CEO from the very beginning of its existence. Well, he's actually stepping down now. And surprisingly... Stepping down for somebody that's actually even worse than him, if you if that's even possible. <laughs> really, uh, this is an interesting thing because this new guy is significantly worse than Jack Dorsey, I think, ever has been. And I think we're going to see a massive turn 
in big tech as a result of this. So the new CEO's name, uh, honestly, it's kind of hard to even pronounce uh, this guy's name, uh, but it's uh, Parag Agrawal, Agrawal, something, something along those lines. Now, this guy is a massive, massive liberal, of course. I mean, that doesn't come as any surprise. But here's some older tweets that he made that I think are very interesting. And, and also some other quotes. So the first one is actually a quote from an interview where he said, quote, our role is not to be bound by the First Amendment, focusing less on thinking about free speech, but thinking about how the times have changed. Because, of course, the times changing allows us to just take away your right to free speech. You know, I mean, guys, it's different times. I mean, how many times do we hear progressives saying this same thing? Hey, it's different times. You know, <laughs> it's okay to be gay. Oh, it's different times. Men can be women. Oh, it's different times. Women can be men, right? That's where we find them lining up in so many situations. But here we are where we see this guy making these statements, and I can't help but wonder... This is the worst person to put in place of Jack Dorsey. So the the other thing that he was actually uh, saying in a tweet, and this is an actual tweet from him from uh, 2010. It is a while ago, but still, he said, if they're not going to make a distinction between Muslim and extremists, then why should I distinguish between white people and racist? Now, the reason why he's making the statement is uh, is probably presumably in reference to when you look at uh, uh, 9-11, things like that, when you had a lot of Muslims in the country that were just assumed to be terrorists by some people, which obviously you can understand because that's, you know, something that everybody was worried about. I mean, we just saw 3,000 people lose their lives, buildings destroyed, massive, biggest event, terrorist attack we've ever seen. And of course, people were thinking that. Whether that's right or not, the point is still the same. And yet you have them basically him saying, well, you know what, if these people are just going to assume that Muslims, all Muslims are extremists, then I'm just going to assume that all white people are racist. This was all the way back in 2010, but let's be real. This couldn't be more of a relevant tweet for a Democrat today. It, it absolutely still holds its, the test of time because even back then, you would think that people were more tame, but this is exactly what they do. This is exactly what they do on Twitter. And I have proof of that, actually. Uh, not necessarily with the Muslims, but just the idea that this stuff is allowed on Twitter all the time. So liberals of TikTok actually posted this out, and I'm not going to play the video because... I think if you want to see it, go see it for yourself, but it's just extremely heinous language, ridiculous uh, stuff that these people are speaking in here, so much cursing, and, and literally, but what, what you have here, just to explain the context, is that you have this thing called Twitter Spaces, which is very similar to Clubhouse. It's an audio-only kind of group chat, but you only invite the people to speak that you allow in there to speak, and then you can have a bunch of other people basically uh, call, call in, if you will, to listen. And all they can do is listen. So you have maybe like, I don't know, uh, maybe, maybe I think I saw it around two, 3,000 people that were just listening. And then you've got it limited to maybe eight to 10 people that can actually speak in this call. So if you disagree, you're just kind of screwed. You just had to sit there and just listen to people say ridiculous things. So the actual topic that they were discussing, because this kind of goes on a little bit, but they were basically saying how they hated white people. That's basically what was happening. You had all black people, of course, in this group. And so what you heard this one particular black guy literally saying that he's okay with the, the genocide of all white people, killing all white people, just so you know where the black liberals line up today. That, that's what's going on in their head. That's what they were okay with. And, and, and this was okayed by the people on this panel, by the way. They had no problem with this guy making these statements. Of course, he's deleted his Twitter account now, but I'm sure he'll be deleting a lot more things because this is ridiculous. How this guy is not 
has not been arrested, I don't even know. And the reason why is because this is incitement of violence. There's no site where you should be allowed to say ridiculous, violent, threatening things against a whole race of people and be okay and just get off scotch-free. This guy needs to be absolutely arrested for making straight-up threats towards an entire race of people on a public site like this. And, and keep in mind, this was allowed on Twitter. This this these the spaces group started the literal day that Jack Dorsey said that he was resigning. I don't think that's a coincidence. I really don't. It goes on. So another portion of it was where they said uh, the title of the group was "White People Deserve Nothing." Can't even spell that right. And yet, for some reason, they think we ought to pay attention to anything that they're saying, of course. These people legitimately don't believe that they can even be racist just because of the color of their skin. It's absolutely ridiculous. Here's, here's another one that they had going. Uh, racist space recap. Uh, bettering the black community. Um, uh, you had another one saying, why do white people exist? Once again, all black people that are part of this group and around you know 2,600 people that are forced to basically listen and do nothing else. This is what's taking place right now on Twitter the day that Jack Dorsey says that he's leaving. I don't think that's a mistake at all. I mean, it's completely random that they were even doing this. It's crazy to me how this is even allowed. And yet, this is Twitter for you. This is going to happen more and more and more often, I guarantee you, as we see Jack Dorsey actually leave. It's going to get worse. It's going to get significantly worse. I don't think that Jack Dorsey was ever a, uh, somebody that supported free speech at all. Obviously, I mean, it's very clear. I mean, he banned the sitting president of the United States because he didn't like the way that he was making certain statements, which is ridiculous. But you see these people doing this exact stuff, and none of these people are banned off of Twitter for it. Not one. Had this been, why do black people exist? Openly racist groups uh, with a bunch of white people in there where everybody else was forced to listen, Twitter would have had that, that group deleted and gone and everybody banned in that entire thing within uh, an hour. Within an hour. But look at what happens when the roles are reversed. They're allowed to do this as long as they want with no repercussions. Imagine how just privileged you are to be able to call for the genocide of an entire race of people and know for a fact that you're not going to suffer any consequences as a result of making those statements. Where's the white privilege at, folks? Because last time I checked, the only people that can sit on a social media network like Twitter, Facebook, Clubhouse, you name it, and make blatant, racist, threatening comments towards an entire race of people simply because of the color of their skin, it's these black people. Those are the only people that get away with it. It's liberal black privilege. It always has been. You can't tell me anything other than that. They want to talk about this whole situation with the Waukesha guy that drove his car and killed a bunch of people at this Christmas parade and pretend as if that's some what just some random happenstance event. It's not. That guy was absolutely a racist. We saw what he was saying on, on social media in the past. It's clear as day what's actually happening here. But yet these people pretend as if, oh, well, if he was uh, black, uh, it, well, this would have happened and that would happen if Kyle Rittenhouse was black. Sure, you keep bringing up all this crazy stuff. But the fact is, is that... There is a liberal black privilege, and this proves it. I don't care who you are, where you come from. It's more obvious than ever, ever when we look at this stuff right here. Um, and, and so as a result of which, we actually have a, a little bit of another story where, uh, if you remember, like I just mentioned, the Waukesha incident, you had that shooter, or sorry, not the shooter, but you had the guy that drove his uh, SUV. It was the black guy. We know he was a BLM supporter, black nationalist, drove his car, killed several people. 
uh, obviously white people, at this Christmas parade and didn't get shot at all by police officers. He actually just got peacefully taken away. wonder where that privilege came from, right? But CNN puts out this glorious title that just entirely highlights my point about Twitter and, and other Democrat-run organizations. And they said, Waukesha will hold a moment of silence today, marking one week since a car drove through a city Christmas parade, killing six people and injuring scores of others. That's interesting. I didn't know cars killed people. I thought people killed people, right? I mean, <laughs> funny how that works, right? Funny, funny how they change the language to make it seem like that. Here's actually how right to bear memes. They always uh, post a bunch of funny things, but you basically have the guy getting dragged off and it's an SUV pasted to his head because that's what CNN's doing. They're trying to make it seem as if it's the car that ran those people down, not the guy operating the car and the car just being the means of, of how to do it. You know, notice how they do this for this situation, how they try to cover it up by saying, Let, let's point out that, that the car has done this. We won't point to the person that did it, but if there's a shooting and the shooter is white or something like that, they don't ever say, well, we're, it's marking a week of silence. Let's say if I'm translating this, marking one week since a gun shot five people. They, they don't say that, right? That wouldn't make any sense. They wouldn't say a gun shot somebody. So why are they saying that a car drove through a city? That's not, you get, you get what I'm saying. They, they make it, this title makes it seem like it's some accidental thing. This car was by itself. Maybe it was on auto drive or something and the driver wasn't paying attention. The way they make it seem is to try and take away the blame from the person that did it. You know why? Because they don't want to mention the name of the person. And CNN so far has not mentioned the name of the guy that actually did this. Because if people see who it is, They'll realize it was a black guy that did it. CNN is playing defense for a horrible racist person and getting away with it. And, and then when we see things like Kyle Rittenhouse, they won't say, oh, his, a gun shot that guy that was a pedophile on the street. No, it's white male, blah, 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 right? That's what they'll do. But if they're black, they will very rarely say black male or maybe they'll just say male. But if they got something else to blame it on, they'll blame it on the car. It's just really funny how you see them turn all of a sudden to, to something entirely different. They, they point out whatever it is that fits in their narrative, right? If they're white, they mention white. If they're white male, they mention white male. If it's a gun, they're still going to mention white male if it's a white male. But yet you see them try to, as much as they can, take away the blame, not mention who it is, not talk about it. This is the way that they always operate with this kind of stuff. It's, it's clear and obvious to anybody who's paying attention that they're trying to play the defense for this guy that shouldn't need anybody defending him at all. I mean, this isn't the person you should be sticking up for. All because of what? Racial politics? Does it matter? We've always said for the longest period of time, it's the person operating said gun or said car that makes it a weapon. Vehicular manslaughter is no different than somebody using a gun to do something bad. It's just funny how the left always does this. If they want to blame the gun, they blame the gun. If they want to blame the the, the car, they're going to blame the car. Whatever it takes to try and pretend as if somehow this inanimate object just managed to kill somebody. When that's not what took place, it was the person behind it that did it. Now, they have no problem mentioning it when it's a white person, but they will definitely do everything in their power to avoid it when it's a black person. So it's obvious what they're doing here. So another thing that was actually kind of interesting to me was a story about the Salvation Army. Uh, about a week ago, they published this uh, story uh, talking about this new um, 
this new kind of uh, social justice that they were going to be basically implementing. So it started off where you actually had the uh, Salvation Army uh, wants their white donors to offer a sincere apology for their racism. I kid you not, this is real. So the Salvation Army wants its uh, white donors to give it more than just money for Christmas this season. So going on, it says, it's part of a push by the Christian charitable organization to embrace the ideals of Black Lives Matter, an activist group working to, among others, dismantle white privilege and to disrupt the Western-prescribed nuclear family structure. Now, of course, those things they removed from their website. Why? They didn't want people to know about it. Okay, they removed it from their website because they didn't want people to see it. But that's what they put up there. And obviously, that's what they still support. So going on, it says the Salvation Army's Alexandria based leadership has created an international social justice commission, which has developed and released a resource to educate its white donors, volunteers and employers or sorry, employees called Let's Talk About Racism. It asserts Christianity is institutionally racist, calling for white Christians to repent and offer a sincere apology to blacks being agnostic to black people of the cult or the culture values and interests of the black community. Now this is really interesting because really what this is about is you see a lot of churches, especially this time of year, trying to prop up the Salvation Army, trying to tell people to give money or to commit their time to help out the Salvation Army. But yet we're seeing this right here where, uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like they're too gung ho on, uh, Christianity. Especially when we're talking about privileges and all of the rest of this ridiculous woke language that they're using right now. Now, they actually did backtrack on this, of course, because they got slammed for it. They literally had to get a ton of backlash before they would actually do anything about it. So they actually did apologize for this. They pulled it down. But make no mistake, that doesn't change the fact that the organization was even trying to do this. Pushing BLM. This is a Christian organization, folks. Pushing this woke Christianity this progressive Christianity, whatever you want to call it, on people by saying that white people inherently need to apologize for their racism. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely insane how far left a lot of these organizations have gone, despite carrying the Christian moniker. They want to get promoted by churches, but yet they've got this ridiculous woke outlook on everything. Give me a break. Absolutely insane that they're doing this type of stuff. Unacceptable. So just keep in mind, although they've backtracked and taken all of it back, just keep your eyes peeled for these organizations, uh, charitable places, wherever it is, and just watch their language because there's still people that are employed there right now that are going to try to slowly do it. They'll be like, okay, well, we'll, ret we'll retract it now, but give us five years and we'll slowly creep it back in. Just be real careful about these organizations when you see this stuff because I'm telling you, it, it's just a sign in the times that we're seeing right now where all of these organizations have gotten entirely on board with the left they they're in christian in name only but they're on board with the left entirely so that being said that is all i have for you on this episode i thank you for watching or listening to this one uh make sure that if you are listening to this on apple podcast to leave a review on there as it does help the show out as well but with that being said i thank you for watching and i'll see you on the next one